That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast where we talk about drugs, alcohol, recovery. Uh, we talk about all kinds of stuff on here. Uh, depending on how the day is going and, and what guest is on the show today. And today we got my good buddy Matt Gallagher on. Uh, Matt's an actor, a comedian, a storyteller uh, who was born in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Uh, both sides of his family were Irish bar owners. And he grew up with six uh, sisters and no brothers. Always loved that line, man. Uh, now, Matt's uh, latest special is called The Stumble in the Woods, uh, which chronicles his unconventional life from kindergarten uh, through his slide into addiction and into recovery. And uh, before we get to Matt, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. You can also connect with us on Instagram, at realthatsoberguy, and on Twitter, at Shane Raymer. Uh, real quick, finding the right treatment option uh, for addiction and mental health illness uh, can be tough. And that's why Sober Guys continue to partner with Foundation's Recovery Network. Uh, they stay true to their mission. They have high ethical standards. Uh, and they provide treatment in a nationwide network of residential and outpatient programs. Uh, if you want to learn more about Foundation's uh, Recovery Network, you can go to foundationshelp.com slash soberguy, or you can call 833-81-SOBER. That's 833-81-SOBER. Uh, and you can talk with an admissions coordinator that can answer any questions for yourself or a loved one. Uh, so one more time, that's 833-81-SOBER, foundationshelp.com slash sober guy. All right, one last thing. we got a live show coming up at the Hollywood Improv June, uh, June 23rd. That's a Sunday. Uh, it's an early show. Uh, we figure all of us uh, ex-drug drug addicts and drinkers, man, we're trying to do right today, so we get to bed early, man. <laughs> we, we, can't, we can't stay up past that. <coughs> so I think the show, doors open at 4. The show starts at 4.30. We're going to have some great special guests. We're going to have some fun. Uh, tickets are 10 bucks. so if you're in the Los Angeles area, you want to come out, help support the recovery community, listen to some podcasting and have some fun, uh, you can go to thatsoberguy.com, click on live shows, or you can go directly to improv.com slash Hollywood, and you can pick up your tickets there. Um, all right, Matt Gallagher, man. Uh, it's really great to have you on. We've been going back and forth for a minute trying to do this thing, and I appreciate you taking some time today, man. No, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, how's things, dude? I see you're, you're back out, man. You are at the Comedy Store recently. Um, you got an improv show coming up. Uh, the Stumble in the Woods um, special came out a few months back, which was lots of storytelling. Um, you got a family. You got all kinds of things going on, man. Where the hell do we start? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, when I take a step back uh, – and that's one of the, I think, you know, keys to my recovery is when I get grateful for what I got, uh, yeah. things are good. I mean, I can, I mean, I can ruin a free lunch if I let my mind go for it, you know? Um, but yeah, when I step back, I got, you know, I got healthy kids. Uh, my son just bought a Dodgers hat yesterday. <laughs> he's five and he's like, he wanted one. And, and uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, I grew up a Phillies fan, but I was like, yeah, I'm growing I'm raising a kid in Hollywood. He's, he should have a Dodgers hat. <laughs> And so, yeah, that made me happy. I took him to the Renaissance Fair uh, the other day, let my daughter shoot some bows and, nice. you know, get him outside. Just uh, things are good. And then the shows, yeah. Um, I got to do the comedy store. And, I mean, that's, that's like a big arc in my life. Like, I, I auditioned for Mitzi years ago when I was drinking. And uh, it was uh, like, you know, that was the problem when I was drinking. Like, some nights I get on stage and, you know, the spirit was in me and I was flowing. And then you try and repeat that and, you know, do that right combination of, you know, 
booze and speed. And so you go up on stage and you start like kind of stuttering and you're flop sweating and you're like, you know, I didn't get the, the potion right. And um, years later I went and uh, auditioned for her again. And, uh, it, you know, I did well. She told me, you know, hang out there and, you know, audition. You know, she, she was tough. Um, but then I had a relapse. And so getting to perform there again, it, it feels like I've come full circle. Yeah. And uh, it's, it, it was good. You know, I was on stage. I'm doing what I do now, which is uh, another thing I've kind of, I just, I, I try and be as honest as I can. So, you know, sometimes that bites me in the ass, but I'm not trying to make up fantastical stories and tell them on stage for a punchline. I'm trying to tell what's really going on in my life. And I get, you know, I, I, I just get honest and people seem to, you know, to like it. I started with the storytelling. Now I'm bringing it into my comedy. And uh, I mean, that's what George Bernard Shaw said. People tell me to tell them a joke and I just tell them the truth. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I tell what's really going on, you know, you know, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like people like that too, man. People want that. They want the truth. They want to hear honesty. Um, and I think man, what I've found is just my normal life is so, um, chaotic and it could just be funny in itself, but it's weird things that you, you got to find the comedy almost in stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, um, if you're not amazed by life, you're not really living it. Um, huh. you know, people say, is this all there is? I'm like, what are you kidding? I mean, get out, go look around. You know what I mean? There is yeah. stuff happening. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I've, my, the way my brain works is like, you know, I, I can, I can dissect stuff and, you know, break it down. Why did this happen? Why did it go this way? What, if, why isn't the world like this? And, you know, uh, in darker days that would get me like, you know, uh, paralyzed. Like, you know, yeah. I could be, or else I needed a drink to face the world. I had too many worries and concerns, yeah. but you know, I got right in, you know, behind the eyes and, uh, I, I can, you know, take a look at the world with a, like a half a grin and go, it's ridiculous. It's a joke. Life's a, yeah. you know, life's a joke. Yeah. You, know, you got to, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, yeah. I mean, I get, I can, I can talk for an hour about my experience at the farmer's market. <laughs> Just like how much of it is bullshit, how yeah. much of it's real, you know, the, the honey lady and her, you know, her spiel, you know, okay. <laughs> always a honey lady, huh? It's always a honey lady. No matter what. I know. Oh uh, yeah. And they tell you stuff like, you know, the bees fly to the wildflowers here and I got bees that do sage. I'm like, what do you train the bees? You know what I mean? <laughs> they fly north to the, the wildflowers and south to the sage. Yeah. Like, you know, because you can taste the sage. I'm like, I don't want to taste sage. I want to taste honey. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I like I when I said on stage, and then I just said like out of the blue, I just you know worked out. I, I one time said if I want honey that tastes like what they eat, I'll find the bees that attack the Kinsinieri in Griffith Park. You know what I mean? Get some some horchata honey. Yeah. You know it's it, yeah. So yeah, I get a I get a kick out of doing that, and um, and I do. I you get people who have you know there's a lot of it's a different time now. Everybody knows somebody who's in recovery or they're recovered themselves. And what I see is people on stage a lot saying, oh, I'm a big drinker, I'm a stoner. And they're using some kind of nonsense made up story in their head so that they can tell a punchline. Mm. Now, the difference is when I go up there, like I, I, if it happens to come out of my mouth, it comes from a real person who struggled with addiction. Mm. And, you know, as, and uh, 
you know, was a morning drinker for 15 years, you know? So, and I, that's when I see the heads, either people, cause somebody goes, Jesus, I've heard that one. You know what I mean? Or I know what he's talking about and I'm good with that. I'll, I'll take a little bit of a uh, authenticity over, uh, easy made joke writing yeah. tricks any day. Yeah. And I, I, I like that style a lot of, it's almost like a freestyle session in, in a sense. And I think it, it really equates over to recovery well too, just in the powerlessness aspect of it. When we talk about being powerless over things, um, I'm really putting myself out there on the daily trying to, um, you know, let go. Like that's one word I, that it comes to mind. I just thought of my, my sponsor right there. We, he says that a lot. We'll just let go. You know, like mm-hmm. don't, we're not trying to control things. We're going out there. We're being honest. We're trying to be truthful. And if we can find the comedy in some of that stuff in the day-to-day stuff, man, that's that's because at the end of the day, like you said, it really comes back to, is it really that serious? Like mm-hmm. and obviously, yeah, there's some serious things that happen to us in life. But a lot of the times I know for myself, it's the little things that really I can, that can get to me that aren't really that fucking serious, you know? Yeah, if someone else told it to you, you'd laugh at them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you're like, what are you, what are you getting in a fight about? Mm-hmm. And like, what you're doing is you're doing what I'm doing. I, I've listened to your podcast, and you just go, here's the topic, and you say what, how it's affecting you at this moment. Exactly. And you're being honest with it. And when they say practice these principles in all our affairs, that's what it's about. Like, if, if you got a 24 hour, this is the image I'm going to put out, you know, this is the, the, the spiel that I'm willing to, you know, show the world. Uh, eventually that's going to bite you in the ass because you're going to get a, a question or a, a situation is going to throw you off balance or you're going to say something you regret. At least if you're being honest and you get into the habit of saying what's really on your mind or how things yeah. really affect you, yeah, you're going to have a better chance. I, my sponsor, the thing with him is you got, you got to practice talking and telling people what's going on. You can't do it when you got, when all the guns are pointed at your head, you know, like it's too late then. If, if you don't get into the habit of telling the truth, talking to another person, when something goes down, you're not going to be ready to be like, Oh, what's that guy's number? You know, <laughs> who's that person I'm willing to share my soul with, you know? So, uh, yeah, I just, it really did come about, uh, where I was just like, I feel much better about myself when I'm telling the truth more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sure, man. How, uh, how long you been sober for, man? It'll be, I, I had seven years and then I made the mistake of thinking I was cured because mm. I moved to a different state and I was married. I stopped doing comedy and uh, it was the old barbershop analogy, man. You hang out. And I was, I was running a re- uh, restaurant and they had, uh, you know, my job was to select wines and, uh, I, you know, I, I just was playing the game, pretending I was a, a guy in a suit yeah. and, uh. I started off innocently enough, like sip the wine, spit in the bucket, sip the wine, forget to spit in the bucket, uh-huh. you know? And, uh, that was hard coming back. Like, um, it took me a while and now I'll have, uh, June 4th will be five years back. Nice, man. Congrats, yeah. bro, man. That's coming yeah. up soon. That's a lesson a month, man. Yeah. Good stuff, it, bro. it was a whole different, um, type of, uh, bottom. Yeah, I mean, my first bottom was, you know, the one you you think you're going to have, mm-hmm. you know, overdoses, firing from jobs, suicide attempts, uh, you know, humiliation, uh, you know, like it was the full, you know, Hollywood yeah. script of the terrible. Yeah. And this the second bottom to me was uh, 
sadder for me. I mean, it was, to be honest, like I was uh, white knuckling it. I became a wino. You know, I was just sneaking wine constantly and working in a restaurant, you know, drinking, uh, you know, vodka drinks and, you know, in the, in the hallways. And, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. And I, I was in and out of rooms for, for months and months and months. So you were drinking, <laughs> trying to, trying to get sober or at least attempt to, you had that thought like, damn, I just blew seven years. I'm kind of in and out of, can, can I ask you too, is there any way you can, um, attach, I see your microphone. Is yeah. Where you can attach it because it's rubbing on your shirt. There. Oh shit! Sorry. It, like on the, or maybe like, if, if it's if it won't, dude, it's all good, bro. But I just noticed that. I got it. I I am new to this game. Technology is <laughs> not my strong suit. No, that's all good, man. Okay, how's that? Perfect, bro. That's yeah, that's much better. Okay, so anyways, yeah, you were saying you're you're in the restaurant, you were sneaking drinks in the hallway, vodka drinks, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then I, I know, and then it was three bottles a day of wine. And um, each time I tried to come back, I, you, you, that's the other thing. Like people say, you know, I got meetings in the bank. That's fine. You should go to as many meetings as you can. But when you stop going to meetings, your account's drained. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I would try and go to, a, I'd be like, I'd, I'd do something wrong at home. And I'm like, I'll go to a meeting. And I go to a meeting and I wouldn't drink for a day. And then I, you know, do three days and then I drink again. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got serious. And I knew I got serious because I called the guy I did steps with in New York. He's got 30 years. And then I remembered a meeting that I heard had a lot of people with time. I drove over to there and I started counting days and doing 90 and 90. And that's, I haven't had a drink since. Nice. So yeah. Um, yeah. You can't, I mean, it's stuff, you know, like you, you tell people who were, not in recovery. You got to go, you got to get serious. I've talked to sponsees like, listen, you can't, you can't play games with this. Yeah, I got people in my family who think that they can, you know, find the easier, softer way. And hey, for, uh, yeah. for someone out there who doesn't know, uh, maybe so, someone new too. what's 90 and 90. Uh, it's, it's a recommended uh, way to start uh, for sure, but it's 90 meetings in 90 days. And that's, uh, I mean, it always sounds like, whoa, man, yeah. man, I do something every day. I don't, I don't go to the gym 90 days. <laughs> like, sorry, it's, you know, it's just a really, if you really want a good chance at saving your life. Yeah. Um, I know a guy, Lewis, who says I do 90 and 94 times a year. You know, uh, he, wow. he, I mean, that's his thing. He goes to a meeting every day, at least. Yeah. But yeah, um, you know, nobody's going to uh, kick you out if you miss a day. But if you can make that commitment, especially at the beginning, say, I'm going to make it a priority to make a meeting every day get that foundation going just so uh you know for, for me when i did that when i got out of rehab you know i was i, I ended up living a block and away from the Alanon house which was uh you know bill bill w's home group like that was one of his home groups in manhattan and they have a clubhouse there now and there's like six meetings a day so i was two blocks away from there i was doing a couple meetings a day forever mm. and uh stuff starts seeping in, you know, you start hearing. And if you do 90 meetings in 90 days, you stand a real good chance of, of letting stuff, you know, break through the cobwebs yeah. and you start hearing what this program's all about. And it's, you know, it's pretty simple. There's a million different things about it, but you know, you got to meeting makers, make it, the steps are there for a reason. And, uh, you, you got to get a network. You got to, you can't do it alone. 
Yeah. And so, you know, you meet other people who uh, are, have less time than you, the same amount of time as you, more time than you. And that's how you, you do it. I mean, I don't know. I tried to stay sober without uh, talking to other alcoholics and it was a disaster. So, yeah, yeah, yeah well, I, th- I think that's a really good point because a lot of us ran with, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people who, um, you know, probably were making a lot of the same choices and decisions that we were making with regard to drinking, using drugs, all that. Um, and you stay in that, I, that goes back to the barbershop, uh, yeah. you know, thing you, you hang around the barbershop long enough, you're eventually going to get a haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, when you, when you try to get away from that, you're so right. You can't do it alone. Like I can't. And, and I know like that, the me as my own man and whatever, like, man, I got this. I can do this. I can do it on my own. I got, I, don't be a pussy. Like just nut up and you, you got it. That yeah. did not work. Like I tried it. I tried it many times and it didn't work. And it wasn't until I started putting myself out there and connecting with other people. I was like, wait a minute. Like, wait, that guy's just like me. Like, damn, I didn't even know that was, you know what I mean? And, and that's when, man, that's when some walls started to really be broken down and that community starts to grow. Yeah. I, I mean, I was in hell's kitchen in New York when I got sober the first time and I was like, what am I going to do? I mean, I grew up, both sides of my family owned Irish Catholic bars. Everything I knew, I, I, I love bars. That yeah. was my, I, that was what I did. I started bartending when I was 20. I was a you know, bus boy when I was 15. Like that was, that was my church. And uh, I go into meetings in Hell's Kitchen and it, it's all Irish teamsters, you know, Irish, you know, gangsters and, you know, bookies and uh, bartenders. I was like, Phew. you know, I mean, I was like, okay. Like all of a sudden I didn't feel like it was like I was going into some bizarro world. I walked in and I saw 50 different versions of me and uh, plus all, all the other people in, in, you know, the world that you get to, to meet and actually talk to instead of walk by. And so, yeah, my world opened up. Yeah. Um, it's the strangest thing where you think, uh, man, my life's going to get, it's going to get small. It's going to be tough. I've had more good conversations with men in sobriety than I ever did drinking. It was, that was just a half shouting match or posturing or uh, parroting back whatever everybody else said. And uh, yeah, I mean, you don't remember half of it or any of it the next day, you know, it's, it's just noise. Yeah. It's just noise. Yeah. And yeah, my life, uh, my life got good. And uh, there's nothing bad. I went to a diner yesterday uh, after a meeting and, um, one of the guys there got sober in New York and he knew a buddy of ours who passed away, um, uh, who helped a lot of people. He had like, uh, and you know, it was a reminder too. Like he, he was one of somebody who, uh, you know, he got, he got injured and then didn't do, uh, the pain medication. Like he goes, Mm you got to be alert. I mean, 21 years, like this stuff can get you. Yeah. And, uh, it was just a good reminder to talk to him. And I had like, not that I had forgotten about this friend of ours, but I hadn't like, like remembered, like, you know, yeah, this, this isn't a game. Um, and I, I'll never have it. You know what I mean? Like it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. Like I always think about that. Like people at the gym, you can look at a person and they'll tell you, they used to be, you know, a world-class athlete. And it was like 10 years ago. And in the 10 years since they've become world-class eaters and drinkers. 
Sure. And you know, like I don't see a world-class athlete anymore. Yeah. Somebody looks like they got gout. And, uh, <laughs> and that's what happens with, uh, with, uh, people in recovery. You know, as soon as somebody goes, ah, I got a different thing. I'm doing this, uh, you know, Peloton bike and I, I meditate, you know, only. And it's like, okay, you know, good luck. I, I mean, I wish you the best, but yeah, yeah man. Uh, this takes I, work, man. Yeah. You got to You got to stay in the middle of the herd. <clears throat> yeah. Um, one of the things we were talking about, uh, before we started recording today was kind of, I guess it was, was kind of the irony of comedy, how I think you said it yourself, a lot of, a lot of comedians, um, although they're funny, they're also very sad inside. Um, and I thought that's, I thought that it was interesting. Um, and I'm just wondering, was that a part of your own story? Like when you were doing comedy, like you mentioned too, I mean, you were doing over 300 shows, uh, you know, a year and mm -hmm. just out there grinding and grinding. Um, it, is, is that, was that a part of your life or your drinking or? Uh, yeah, I mean, or what, or if it wasn't, what, what do you see out there now? What's your, what's your take on that? If it wasn't specific to you? Yeah, I had a different path into comedy than probably most people. Not that there's a set path. Sure, sure. But um, I goofed. When I was uh, drinking and using, I would pop in and do shows once in a while. I joined a contest. Um, so I had done stand-up a little bit, but I wasn't, like, in it and serious. In fact, when I was in rehab the first time, I got a call when I was in rehab from this great comedian, um, uh, Jessica Kirsten, and she called and left me a message and said, you had a great set the other night. Uh, there's a new club opening up. Like it was when I was just starting to bang around New York and I don't remember the set. Like I, I, and I was in rehab. I'm like, I'm in rehab. When I get out, I'll do it again. And when I got out is when I got serious about comedy and I was probably, uh, you know, I was a little bit older than some of the other people who had been yeah. doing it forever. And, uh, yeah, if, when you, if you just like jump into that world, it's going to be different than you think. Yeah. You get in there a little bit and you look around and you go, Hey, they're not a bunch of happy, jolly guys and girls. <laughs> um, there's a lot of people who have to work really hard at being funny for 10 minutes. Mm. You know, I mean, they've put a lot of time into that and go on a road trip with one of those guys and see how the, the other 24 hour and 50 minutes look. Yeah. And there's a lot, you know, and a comedy is a result of it. For the most part, people dealing with, you know, pain or rage or, fear you know and they so they they channel that through there but yeah the, the the fact of the matter is there's a good number of comedians who have some form of you know depression anxiety yeah uh a lot of you know a lot of yeah. alcohol and you know drugs to you know get you courage or numb the pain yeah it's it's not it's not the funnest group in the world to be around um yeah uh That's a Let's jump into a question because I think it kind of it's it it relates to this in a sense too. This came in from David, and uh, David said, "As someone who's played in bands much of my life, uh, being a performer, you're almost certain to always be around alcohol. I'm too early in my sobriety to be back in the band now, but how has Matt remained sober as a performer in clubs where much of the crowd, assuming, are drinking, uh, having drinks, having fun in that in that environment? It's a really good question, I think, and I I can't wait to hear your take on it." It, it is. Um, I, I was scared at first. Um, you have to be solid. Like, uh, 
I knew like I had a really good first step or, you know, whatever that was. I was scared enough of the first drink and had gone through that enough times to know that it's not the caboose that kills you. It's the, you know, the first train, you know? Um, so I was really clear and I was pretty militant about, I'm not going to have a drink. And, uh, I was also willing if things got tough, I was like, gotta go now out of here. Going to get it, get on the phone. And like I said, when I started, I was lucky enough. The, the main club that I was working on was on 46th street. I lived on 48th street and the home group, uh, AA clubhouse was on 46th and 8th. Mm. So I was never more than 200 yards from a meeting. And in that neighborhood, there was sober people. There was two diners. So I was lucky in that sense. Like when I started, I was as close to the bar as I was an AA room, uh, you know, member. Mm. So that, I, that was important. I, and I didn't want to be on the road. I didn't want to be stuck in the green room with a bottle of vodka for an hour and a half by myself. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying you can. I, I think the main thing is it has to be pretty crystal clear in your head that that first drink is the one. Yeah. You know, that and uh, there's nothing wrong with saying can't do it tonight. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I mean, you're kind of what you're saying is you have that support system set up. So you're pre- um, you're pre-strategizing for game time or however the hell you want to put it. Like, you know, look, if it gets to a spot, I know my, my boundary, my limit, whatever, I can bounce out of here if I need to. And, or I can go make a phone call. I can step out. You're, um, you're, you have a plan, I guess. That's a real, and I think that's important with anything, whether it's going to a wedding or a birthday or, I mean, we, are, we can't hide from alcohol the rest of our lives. It's fucking everywhere. You know what I mean? So, and that's not the problem ultimately anyways. It's, it's me. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm the issue with it. So when I'm going into that, I got to have a, a pregame plan always, you know, and I, I still try to do that, man. I still try to know, okay, like, Hey, I don't really ever stay too late. Nothing good happens usually past nine o'clock anyways, man, maybe 10 depending yeah. on what it is. But um, yeah, man. No, I, I love that because you're still able to do it. You're still out there. You know, you're, you're doing some shows and stuff. And um, I would tell Dave, like um, I, when you were saying that, I remembered, like I would make a call before I did a show, you know, or talk to somebody and then have a plan. The other way people can't give mm-hmm. you a drink is if you got a, if you already have one in your hand. Yeah, so I was walking good. around with the soda water and cranberry. I'm good. Yeah. And then knowing that if you're there to play music, be there for the time you're playing music. Yeah. You don't have to hang out. And you get there, you be like, oh, we're going we on in 10 minutes, I'll be back. You, yeah. you know, go for a walk, take a look at this, the moon, say a prayer, do whatever you got to do. And then afterwards, I used to leave. I told people, I go, as soon as I hear a story twice, I can go. Mm. You know, and that was the thing. Somebody said, <laughs> yeah. did I tell you about the thing? I'm like, yeah, you did. I got to go. And then nobody even knows you were in the it. left. Yeah. As soon as people at weddings at bars, as soon as people start telling the stories, you know, repeating themselves, you know, you can disappear and they won't know if you left at nine or midnight. Yep. Time to go. I love that, man. Hey, did you, did you just say, uh, by the way, soda water and cranberry? Yeah. That's my, that's my drink right now, man. Oh man. I've been killing those. Was I put a little lime or some lemon in it. So good. And like, I, it's funny, like it's, it's refreshing, but I'm, I'm having a little sip, you know, on something, man. I love those. It, I, that's what I did uh, when I started. It, it's kind of like the, the, nobody knows if it's a drink or not. 
Nobody cares, by the way. Uh, yeah. But it did make me feel good that I wasn't walking around with like, uh, I, I don't know, a tea. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? A glass of milk. Yeah. Like, it, it looks like a drink, yeah. whatever. And yeah, it's, uh, it, just, it just made you, nobody asks you if you need a drink if you're sitting yeah. there with a, a red drink with a straw in it. Yeah. yeah, nobody. So it just it just eliminates that problem. I I I, I like what you said r- real quick about nobody cares, dude. Because we nobody gives two shits most of the time about what we're doing because we're all as human beings. We're so wrapped up in our own lives. Like no one really gives a shit. And I'm over here tripping on what this person thinks or that person thinks. Like they don't care. They can no. care less most of the time. No, and nobody's counting your drinks. You, I was the only one who used to count my drinks, or mm. like maybe an ex would. But uh, you think about when you were drinking, I couldn't even, I don't, my memories, my world became a tunnel. Yeah. I could see in front of me and I could see my drink. Mm. So I, if somebody told me like, you remember when you were out with uh, Shane, how much was he drinking? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I was trying to keep from pissing my pants. That was my focus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's funny, man. Uh, let's let's talk a little baseball real quick, man. We uh, you mentioned you're a Phillies fan. Um, you know I'm yeah. a big big Oakland A's fan out here. Um, so, well, take take me back real quick to old school Phillies days, man. You said it was pretty rough. I I, I got to visit the park two years ago and we had a great time, but I, I imagine that the uh, the culture and the environment's a bit different than it was back in the day. Oh yeah, um, Veterans Stadium was famous. I mean, everybody says they're famous, but like. You yeah. know, that's the place where they threw snowballs at Santa. Um, <laughs> you know, that's – it's been – my mom and dad had season tickets to the uh, Eagles, and um, they stopped going to night games because they were at a game, and uh, there was a, Red, a Redskins fan who the fans stripped naked, broke his ribs, and threw him on the field. Damn. And um, there was fights every time you went to Veterans Stadium. Yeah. They, they stopped having Giants Eagles games there, and the Mets and Phillies games were always a like you know it was. It, I went to Shea Stadium, and there were six fights in the stands before the third inning. I mean, full blown, <laughs> like just cops everywhere. Gosh. But the thing that made this is how bad it was at Veterans Stadium. Um, they had a, a a court underneath the stadium, and you can look it up. It was like it, it's when you got arrested. You got on an elevator, you went down two floors below the stadium, and you appeared before a judge. Really? Yes. Wow. And, yeah, they had a holding cell down there, and you either, like, got a fine or you got sent to the roundhouse, which was, you know, booking downtown. Yeah. Like the towers. And that, I mean, it was, there, there wasn't any two options. They had security there. They deemed you were getting arrested. They handed you off to South Philly police, and you went before the judge. So they, they already yeah. knew it was coming. They knew that like every game, okay, we already know what to expect. We got it ready to go. The, in the old days, the stadium used to be done. The sections were almost done by neighborhoods. Really? Yeah. So like there would be like, it was weird. Like if it, it, when you look back on it now, it sounds insane. But like tickets yeah. didn't used to cost 100 bucks to go see a game. Yeah. I mean, they were reasonable and it was a working class thing. And when you went to Veterans Stadium when I was a kid, you knew everybody in your, in your section. Uh, and there would be another section and like, oh, those are the guys from South Philly and those are the guys from Northeast Philly. And that, those people over there are all from Bucks County. And um, if there was somebody who was wearing an A's hat, you know, yeah. or something like that, 
people would, you know, bust balls. Like, you got it in here. You got a goddamn Cowboys fan in your section. And the guys in there would be like, get him out. And, like, there was, like, this awful territorial pride. I had a buddy who brought a friend to a game. He said, uh, you know, he was a Minnesota Vikings fan. He goes, you can come, but I'm telling you, don't pull any of that shit. Yeah. And the Redskins scored a touchdown, and he stood up in the section. He's like, in your face. And a guy who reached across, froze, and knocked him out. Damn. And my buddy, I said, what did you do with him? He goes, I didn't know what to do. Like, I couldn't do anything. Everyone would have beat me up. And I, I mean, that's how, it's horrible. But oh, that's, wow. it, it was, that's how it used to be. So we were yeah. at a Phillies game, and I was on one of these stupid things where I was on a bus trip with a bunch of lifeguards. I used to be a lifeguard on the Jersey Shore. You know, which I was, all I did was drink and uh, it was great because I'd show up at 10 in the morning and I'd go sit in the water and sober up because you had really? an hour workout time. Yeah. And most of my mornings were, you know, just sit in the ocean, splash water on your face, you know, thank God nobody got hurt, but it, that's what it was. I mean, we were yeah. young, yet you spent your money drinking. So I'm on this bus trip and at the time I'm one of the older guys, I'm like 19 or 20. And it's uh, like 30 drunken teenagers. And uh, it got bad early. I mean, the, the story's long, but we did a lot of stupid shit before yeah. that. And then we're in the stadium and we got a section. And uh, the younger kids are starting to lose it, you know, because we were pressuring them to drink. There was a couple of us who were like big drinkers. And um, one kid threw up on a family. And uh, we were like, let's get out of here. These are kids. You know, we're big 20-year-olds. So we go, like three of us, I was with this kid, Brady, and this kid, John. John, who just wrote a book on marijuana, living in Colorado, <laughs> called Legalized. I'm really, really? proud of him. Yeah. Um, and this other guy, Brady, is now a fireman. You know, he's a big dude. He's, look, he looks like you. He's a, he's a big, tough kid. <laughs> and uh, so we go around to jump in front of the Jumbotron. Remember the Jumbotron? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were like, let's go do the Jumbotron. We'll get on TV. So we yeah. go all the way over there and it's all blocked off because it wasn't a sold out game. And uh, I'm like, ah, shit, you know, whatever. <laughs> and Brady goes, let's run across the field. And I was like, ooh. And I say, and I, this is my special too. I was like, there's, yeah. there's times in my life when I've been a follower and like, <laughs> you know, this was one of them. Those two guys were like, yeah, let's run across the field. And I'm like, oh man, all right. And so they don't even miss a beat. They go right down to the bullpen on the right field fence and jump right onto the field. No way. Yeah, and I go, oh, and it's like the seventh inning. Yeah. And, uh, and I go, like, and I hang off, and it was like one of those 15-foot, uh, you know, for the right field fence. It wasn't one of those little ones. So yeah. I'm hanging off the right field fence. <laughs> I'm like, am I really going to do this? And I just let go. Oh, and I'm like, shit. boom. And now I'm on the field. And, uh, you know, lately some, all drinking stories aren't bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was in front of like 40-some thousand fans. I've never been on that, you know, that type of thing. I'm in center field. I'm doing a cartwheel. Cartwheels. <laughs> and it was like, it was awesome. I mean, uh, it was great. But then, you know, of course it got bad. We got uh, great. We got to third base and I ran by my, my uh, childhood hero, Larry Boa. He was uh -huh. third base coach and he's looking at us like we're idiots. And uh, the security grabs us and they're all South Philly guys. So they, they grab us rough and yeah. they're like, you know, they're like criminal trespass, bitch. Criminal <laughs> trespass. That's what they're saying. They're like, you, you oh, now criminal yeah. trespass, bitch. And, and Brady hears that for like the third time. He's like, well, you know, fuck it. And he breaks free and he oh, runs shit. down the third baseline. 
and he jumps on home plate and he's jumping <laughs> on home plate like he just won the World Series. Like arms in the air, screaming, pumping his fists. What's the crowd and, doing? They just cra- they're, they're probably going, yeah. Yeah, there some a lot of people are cheering. The Phillies <laughs> sucked that year. I mean, they sucked. We were playing the Reds. Oh man. So then the security re grabs grabs us up. And uh, as soon as we get underneath the tunnel behind like the home plate area, they beat the shit out of Brady. I mean, they, oh, wow. they uh, yeah, they, they, uh, I mean, two guys are holding him and this one guy's just kind of, you know, heavy bagging him. Damn. Yeah. And his head's doing this and he's, a, he's a tough, he's a tough guy. And he goes, he goes down and he goes, <laughs> me and John are like two little kids, like, they just bitched. And Brady's like, I need, I need a uh, medical service. I need medical service. And so they put us into the elevator and they're like, you're going before the judge, bitch. Oh, wow. you know? <laughs> and like that, now it's getting serious. Brady's knocked out. We're oh, in the shit. thing. They're taking us down to the police. And uh, Brady looks up at me and like winks. He's like, got this. You know, oh. I'm like, okay, like signs of hope. So we go in, Brady goes to the infirmary. Me and John get thrown into this cell where one of the kids who were with was thrown up on people. He was in there crying. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was, and so all of a sudden, I was scared to go into the, the holding cell. I'm like, man, there's probably some rough dudes in there. It was yeah. a 15-year-old I knew who was throwing up. I was like, ha I'm the toughest guy in the cell, you know? So Brady, anyway, turns out Brady's dad was a lawyer. And uh, he goes before the judge and the South Philly cops and the head of security. And he's like, yeah. And he's got his nose all bandaged up. Oh, and he's shit. like, I'll pay the fine for criminal trespass, but uh, this is my dad's card. I want to sue for assault. Oh, wow. And I can describe the guy who broke my nose. And uh, the judge goes, hold on. Let's see her. And he goes, I can describe him. And he describes the guy. And the head of security goes, I don't know the name, but he goes, that's Todd Halpin. He's a good guy. <laughs> oh, shit. And the judge and the cops just look at him like, you just gave him the goddamn guy's name. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's and so funny. long story short, they released us and we came out of the stadium and they released us out of the same exit. The players were going to come out of. Oh, wow. But when we go out there, there's the 25 drunks we came with who were scared. We were going to jail plus all the fans. Yeah. And when, the, when our friends started cheering, when we came out, all the fans started cheering. We were like, <laughs> I like high fiving people. Like, shit. And they're like, you didn't go to the roundhouse. I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> like, yeah, we were like heroes. It was, it was yeah. a good day. Yeah, I mean, you know, the problem is you can't do that for 20 years straight. No, no, no. no. But it's a hell of a story. And it's funny when you're saying, when you're describing coming out too, all of a sudden you were, you were talking about that. And now I got this, this sound and flash of like the Rocky song playing, just like all fucking cheered up and everyone's cheering, man. That's funny, man. That's a good, I mean, you know, alcohol is alcohol. Makes you do some shit. But yeah, you're, you're right. There, there's some fun times and some, some dumb times at the same time, but um, yeah. Yeah, that's fun, man. Good stuff. And, yeah, hopefully, and I, I needed it when I was when I was that age. I was uh, I was scared of the world. Yeah, and I wasn't when I was drinking. So that's why I, I gravitated to drugs and alcohol. But at a certain point, you know, you t- you know, there's all the analogies. You know, you need alcohol and drugs to to ride the ship, and then eventually, alcohol and drugs are driving the ship. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, the ship's on the rocks. You know. Yeah. And yeah, that's that that's what happened with me. It was it was like. I immediately fell in love with it, and then I slowly it, it became less fun and took over my life. You know, you know, there's a whole difference from like, you know, 
having a morning drink because it's funny and you got the day off too. I have to drink to brush my teeth. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I'm shaking too much. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. It's a difference. Yeah. And you can't live in the past. I've, I've got many, I have as many good memories and stories in sobriety as I did the little, you know, the, the 15 highlights from a 20 year drinking and drug career. Yeah. Yeah. There's way more. That was a fun story. I got way more, you know, humiliating stories that no one saw like me alone, missing the toilet and smacking my head on the, and I, you know, Waking up yeah. with a ham sandwich that looks like I threw it through a wood chipper. You know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> you know, with, with cigarette burns in my legs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, being, being sober is a good deal for me. What, uh, what, what's your take, man, on um, – and I always, I always love talking about this, this part, too, about being a sober father, man. Um, you know, I know you have a son. You have two kids or one? I have two kids. Two kids, okay. Yeah, I have an eight-year-old daughter, and I got a five-and-a-half-year-old son. Yeah. I, I don't know how – it's just not possible the way I want to raise my kids. I know how, how old's your, you have one. I have two. So Lu- Lucy's nine and cash is four. Right. We, that, yeah. I, that's right. Cause we're yeah, like, we're close, close. To, we're close. I think. Yeah. yeah. My daughter's a year younger and uh, my son's a year older. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I went to the Renaissance fair last weekend. I took him to the natural history museum before that. I'm doing like just driving. <laughs> It's just not possible to be the father I want to be if I'm yeah. doing drinking and all that stuff. Yeah. Other stuff, and I found this out during the relapse. I mean, I got sober when my son was, uh, you know, he's five and a half when he's four months old. Mm. And I, I mean, I, that last year was just white knuckling, falling off the wagon. It was, you know, three days, five days, four days, five days. I wanted to get sober because yeah. I knew, you know, what it was, this was about. But my experience is, you, it's the it's the chance of being a good dad, and the likelihood of being an occasional piece of shit dad. Hmm. Like when I'm drinking, I'm gonna miss stuff. Yeah. My temper is uh, paper thin. At any moment, I could go over, you know, cross the line and make something a big deal. Yeah. I said, "Keep it down," you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. When I'm sober, I. I just listen better. I'm kinder. I'm there. I'm not cutting trips short because, you know, I really got to have a drink right now Mm. or I'm not really listening or, you know, it's just, it's, it's not even, it's not even fair to compare it. It's, you know, it's like, do you want to have your kid raised by Gandhi or Ted Bundy? You know, I mean, (laughs) me, when I'm being honest, I, I know that, my experience with me drinking in relationships with, you know, with my wife, she saw me when I went out, but uh, previous to that, when I was in relationships, when I was using, um, you know, I married my wife sober and all that. So she's got yeah. good history with me, but you know, these are people I supposedly cared about that I treated like crap and I had yeah. no patience for, and I yelled at and I lied and I disappeared. So the, the thought of doing that to kids is, yeah. I, I just, I just can't do it. I, I, created my life around the fact that I wanted to be there all the time for my kids. Part of it's because I don't want anybody else raising them. Yeah. And I want to be there for all this stuff. And so I, I've, I've made a choice, you know, I don't go on the road. I, I I'm there. I haven't missed anything. And, uh, and I, and I like that. And you can see it in my kids. I think, yeah. I mean, you know, my, my kids, 
they they cuddle up to me like cats you know what i mean like i come home and it's just like all right now yeah. you know like they're just they're just in me and uh they they call me all the time they and i i it's like the same thing with the sponsor like my kids ask me questions and talk to me now i don't want to find out you know i don't want to be one of those parents who finds out my kid was dealing with stuff or had issues or fears or had a problem when they're 17 and the cops call me like what yeah. oh i had no idea yeah. You know, I want to be there. Yeah. I can't guarantee they're going to have a better life or not have a problem with drugs, alcohol, whatever problems are down the, the lane for new kids, internet addiction. I don't know, yeah. but I, I, I know this, uh, I don't want to be blindsided by it. And the mm. way I can do that is I'm involved in my kid's life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, huge. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember, uh, well, you mentioned too about having to disappear real quick to get a drink. And I remember the first time we took uh, Lucy to Disneyland. Cash wasn't born yet. But I remember finding it so hard to be able to not be able to have a beer in there. You know what I mean? Not be able to drink. So we're talking, just, I can't even go to Disneyland without worrying about how I'm going to get my, my perk on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy that I don't do that shit anymore it's that was it's stressful it's it's like a stressful way to live like how how am i going to get okay wait now if i do you start plotting and planning on how it all revolves around that man and it's great to be free from that it for me i remember when lily was little and i was i would go to the park hungover mm. and i still i knew i wanted to get her to the park every day but i'd get i, I would i'd get up and i'd be like Bloodshot eyes. I get her to the park. I think all the parents knew I was hungover. So I try extra hard to play, you know, like, and just yeah. sweating it out. And like, I, I was trying to overcompensate, like, I'm yeah. with you. And then I also remember times where I'm like, all right, that's two hours. Let's go. We're going to go to the pizza place. And uh, I knew the yeah. pizza place would have a beer. And I'm like, I can have one beer and then get her home. You know, mm. I, what a, like a nightmare of like, <laughs> you know, like trying to, to make everything fit into my, you know, world. Yeah. And just, you know, forcing that, you know, like hey, you got to find a place where you can drink. You got to yeah. cut the, you know, I, that's, it just doesn't happen anymore. It makes life so much easier. Yep. I, I wasn't doing myself any favors by having one 16 ounce beer and going, all right, now I can drive home yeah. and then she drop her off. Then I can have a drink and drive a little buzz to work. And mm -hmm. if I get hammered at work, I can leave my car there. Yeah. Uh, like that's how, that's how my days yep. were planned. Looking down at the ground, trying to avoid disaster. Mm. justifying this nonsense now i mean when they say like happy joyous and free all those things that sound ridiculous hey man i drive like this now <laughs> instead yeah. of like this yeah you know i better i better take the side streets a lot of cops you yeah. know <laughs> you know because i had i had a lady i had a, i was taking cash to school um, a couple days ago actually and i was i can't remember what was going on but i had i was sitting at the light and i had my hand you know, kind of back like this. I was talking to him. He was, I just tell me something about school, I think. And I, I guess the light had turned green and my head was turned back. Right. And so all of a sudden I hear this, this horn. I mean, someone just laid on the horn, right? Yeah. Like excessively, not just a little, you know, beep, beep, hey, move your ass. Yeah. And, and I look in my rear view mirror and this lady behind me is just fucking going ape shit. I mean, she's literally flipping me off, like learn how to fucking drive. Like, yeah. oh, and I'm going, wow. And the old me, you know what I mean? Oh man. Yeah. Hey, yeah I would have just went and you know what I did, man? I, I took a breath and I went, man, this number one, I said, this broad is cr she's crazy right now. Is this something going on here? But yeah. she went around me. She saw cash in the car. She was flipping me off and yelling. And, and that goes back to the point being is like, that's something that's going on in her life. 
Like yeah. that's on her. It has nothing to do with me. And the only way that I know how to deal with a situation like that is because of recovery, like straight yeah. up. Like that's the only, because the principles that I've learned, I'm like, okay, I know. Whereas back in the day, I would have taken that real personal. I would have gotten to an argument with her, with my son in the crowd, but flipping her off too. I don't, I don't have to do that anymore. And it, and my day was completely fine. And, and I, you know, she probably had probably ruined her damn day. You know? Yeah. Um, there's, listen, if you're, if you're like life's a, uh, a mess like mine was, the chance to engage in some rage, <laughs> like, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Like, let's jump, like, like throw me in the pit. Yeah. Any chance you get, I'll yell, I'll get mad. It's, you know, and it's true. I see it all the time. Like, you know, I mean, LA, I hate driving. I try yeah. to make my life so I drive as little as possible. But you see it. There's people who, yeah, they love honking the horn. I mean, I work in Beverly Hills. People lay on the horn in Beverly Hills. Like it's nothing mm. like they just free for all horns yelling out the window. Yeah. But you, and you know it, that's, I mean, most of that's fear. Like you, you stop yeah. that person around, they go, did you have a problem? And not yeah. that you want to, but you know, yeah. they're not doing that in their everyday life. They're not, they're not doing that when they're with people. Yeah. But you know, that's, that's like people who, who love yelling online. Yeah. Like when you have a horn and you're going 60 miles an hour, you can, you can beep your horn and flip the bird to whoever you want. <laughs> it's the same thing with people yeah. online. You suck, you're fat, da, 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 a bunch yeah. of hate. Like that's, that's just all nonsense. Yeah. I love saying, you're not mad at me, you're mad at your dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, like if, if me, the, the 10 seconds you have to wait at the green light, you know? Yeah. Um, and especially when it's not something where, you know, you weren't there doing this. You were like talking to your kid. Yeah, that, like, I, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. I, and I've done that other thing. I've done that. I've been on my yeah. phone before at the light waiting. And then, and I can take that. Okay, yeah, I'm cut. But I mean, I was talking to my, my son. Like it wasn't like I was whatever. But hey, you mentioned, you mentioned LA too real quick. And uh, I'm just kind of curious. Like I know there's a big recovery scene down in LA. Yeah. Um, been down there a little bit. Um, like wh what, is that, what does that look like down there? And do you see any like um, – like, what are the positives? What are the challenges that you're seeing in the recovery community? Like, with regard to media, um, entertainment, um, is there? Do you have any thoughts on that? Or just curious? Yeah, I mean, I my take on uh, recovery in LA has changed. When I first moved here from New York, um, I I found all the differences. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I like I said, I was spoiled in Manhattan that I had. I mean, I had 20 meetings I could walk to at any time. And I became really like used to that. LA is different. I mean, you got to drive. You got to find the meetings. Yeah. And uh, at first, I found all the differences. I went in there and I saw, you know, people dressed like rock stars and, you know, some models. And I was like, ah, oh, man, forget it. Yeah. You know? Um, then I got desperate. And I was like, I got to go to meetings. And I threw myself in. And there's some really good recovery out here. Mm. Some of it, you know, you may not like every meeting. The good thing is there's a ton of meetings. And I found meetings that I really like. And yeah. I found some good people with some good recovery out here. And, you know, one of the things people say, like the kookiness of LA, sometimes that's, that has benefits. Like people, there, there's, a, there's a, you know, a, a bolt for every nut, you know. You want somebody who, want, who has, knows the best yoga meditation sober place, you're going to find them here. You want to yeah. know somebody who has like, who, who likes being in a band where everybody's, it's like a sober community oh, yeah. of musicians you got them here and yeah i found everything from uh i mean you see everybody yeah uh, you know I, I you know anonymity but you're going to be surprised and you're yeah. going to be surprised uh at 
where the gems come from, mm-hmm. like the, the words of wisdom. And yeah. the person who says, why don't you, you know, come with us, we're going to lunch. And where uh, I got a men's stag you should check out. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, the recovery is good out here. You just got to dig a little bit. Yeah, 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 you that's know? good. I like to, I went to a men's stag two weekends ago and I saw my buddy, uh, Charlie. He got his 30-year chip, man. It's pretty damn cool to see, you know, he's a old basketball coach of mine. Um, good dude. And I, I just love seeing that, uh, um, you know, gratitude, positivity and third, 30 years, man. That's a long, it's a long time yeah. to stay sober. You know? Yeah. Um, well let's, uh, let, I, I have, I have one more question actually that came in too. And I want to ask that. And then, and then, um, let's, uh, you know, do you know uh be respectful of your time and stuff and we'll we'll wrap this up but i want to hear you know what kind of what it's like today for you and any advice you might have for someone out there struggling um first the the, the question was um kind of interesting question too came from tanya and uh she said my boyfriend's on probation for six months for a public intoxication charge and plans to and, and plans to stay sober until he completes his last day of probation if he should go back to drinking at a moderate amount, she put that in quotes, um, is that considered a relapse to you? What helped you decide you can't let alcohol back in your life? Um, yeah, it's a, I know. It's a, that's, a, that's a tough one. <laughs> no, it's – well, I mean, there's so many hypotheticals and stuff yeah. like that. Like, I don't know her boyfriend. I don't know if he's, if he's a, an alcoholic. Yeah. He could be a heavy drinker. Well, I know yeah, guys – that's yeah. funny. She put in, in parentheses here too. It says, however that much is for an alcoholic. Well, that, yeah. It depends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's an alcoholic is, uh, and there's all, that's the one thing about alcoholism. It's self-diagnosed. Yep. I know people call themselves alcoholics because every new year's they got <laughs> hammered. Yeah. Whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> I had uh, 365 new years in a row every year. And, uh, but yeah. So maybe your boyfriend, listen, the other thing I tell people too, if every time you drink, it causes a problem, you might have a problem with alcohol. Yeah. So, you know, if public intoxication, if that's the thing, I got a friend who like, he gets drunk. He doesn't think he can't drive. That's his thing. I don't know if he's an alcoholic. I, I mean, I feel blessed that I, there's no doubt in my mind and I got, and anybody around me, it wasn't like maybe here or there. You, yeah. You're an alcoholic, you're a drug addict, mm. done. But maybe for your boyfriend, if, if drinking causes him problems a lot um, and he's trying not to drink anymore, yeah, drinking again in a moderate amount would be a relapse if you're a <laughs> member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Sure. You know, uh, so yeah. Yeah, um, no, I, it's funny too because I, I don't – I'm really unclear and this is just my own personal take on it. I don't know what a moderate amount is because I could yeah. never moderate my drinking. You know, it was just – as soon as I went, I just went and I didn't even count really. I just, I just went for it, you know? So yeah, if it's um, not coming out different. your nose, that's moderate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll t- I, this maybe, you know, this is, I don't want to be clever. This is a serious question. Sometimes we get cocky uh, in, in recovery thinking that everybody knows how it works mm. and people have questions. She has a serious question. I would say this, if your boyfriend goes six months without drinking, and his life gets better and your relationship gets better, not, you know, unicorns and rainbows every day, Yeah. but you see a high score, low score difference. This is a better life. Mm. Then I would take a strong 
look at whether you're willing to accept your boyfriend going back to drinking. Mm, that's you know, good. put that out there. Say like, hey, life is good. Or even just be honest with your boyfriend. Say, aren't you happy you're not drinking? Yeah. Just and see what happens. That that if he drinks and everything works out, great for you. He probably isn't yeah. an alcoholic. If he drinks and he starts getting arrested again, and there's problems piling up, that's a yeah. good sign that alcohol is a problem. Mm, that's good. So man. yeah, that's really give good. him six months and just leave it at that. Say it's an experiment. Six months. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Let's see how yeah, many times that. you get arrested. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, well, let's uh, let's kind of let's let's end this on on a positive positive note today. We had a lot of positive things, anyways, on there. But I always like to hear at the end, like what what life's like today, man. Um, you know, you're you're really <laughs> thriving. I can feel it, man. We have a good energy. This has been a great conversation. Um, you know, and like you said, it's not always unicorns and rainbows, but for the most part, um, it's a lot lighter than it used to be, man. Yeah. Life. Um, and listen, t- talking to you, it's easy. Um, I get grateful that I'm in recovery. I'm talking to someone else in it. Yeah. That, generally that's the, uh, the beginning of a good day getting grateful. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got shows coming up. I'm doing, um, May 18th. I'm doing the Sycamore Tavern, the comedy dojo. And then June 7th, I'm back at the comedy store on Friday night, which is, you know, that's dynamite. But yeah. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I, like you said, I try, and, I try and wear life like a loose garment, which mm. some days I'm good at, some days I'm bad. Yeah. But it's a practice. And my life is good today because, you know, I can, I, I can take the time to take a breath. And go, man, I never had it so good uh, as far as, you know, I, I still work. I, I work two jobs you know, great. Uh, life's coming at me all the time. I got to worry about stuff, but I don't have to worry about stuff. And when I, you know, so it's, it's good. I, I'm lucky too, that I see people who supposedly have everything Mm. and they seem miserable to me. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is. Be careful what you wish for. I mean, that's the lesson of the Greeks. You know, you might get what you wish for, you know, the Midas touch. Everything I touch turns to gold, including my wife, my daughter, my friends, my flowers, whatever it is I care about. Yeah, I mean that's the whole lesson uh, of the of the Greeks. Um, I have a strange freedom now with my like my next special is going to be about uh, you know basically about God. Yeah, and um, that's something that I because I know I'm not the only one in recovery that doesn't fall into a organized religion. Sure. And, um, I, you know, I don't know your feelings on this. We've never talked, talked about it, but I know I'm not the only one out there that, uh, cause there's so much talk about finding a higher power in God. Yeah. I, I just like to tell people this, like there's as many gods as there are people. Hmm. Everybody's got their own, whether they want to admit it or not. I yeah. mean, you can talk you put 40 people in a room who all claim to be Christian. They're going to tell you the 40 most important parts of the Bible that are all different and interpretations are different. Uh, I, I've, you know, and I, it's like my hobby. I study religions and uh, mythology. And yeah. so I've, I had to like finally come to a point where I go, God's a thought in my head. It's a, it's a, you know, there's nobody coming in a chariot to judge me. It's a thought in my head. And for me, uh, it's boiled down to like I got in a using a comedian's uh, reference here. There's two voices in my head, and one of them's kind of like the force of good, and one of them is kind of a force of destruction. Yeah. 
yeah. it's going to try and tear me down, get me to drink again, judge people, be destructive, pull the ripcord, all that kind of stuff. And there's another voice that's saying, hey, people are good. You're a good person. You can make the next right decision. You can stay sober. You can get through this. You can be there. And I have to decide who I'm going to give the mic, who's getting the stage time. Yeah. Yeah. And my practice is, is making sure the, you know, the force of good as, you know, getting all the stage time Yeah. and just knowing the other person's on the wings waiting to jump up. And that's how I, that's, that's my like religious philosophy right now. I can, I can tell too, man, that you're, that you're very passionate about that. And that also it's a, it's hard to talk about sometimes because it is a touchy subject and people get, people get weird about that stuff. When you talk about it. now, I have my own take on it, man. I came from, um, you know, I, I was raised Catholic. Me too. Know, stand, stand, sit, stand, sit, do all, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I, I love, I love Jesus. Like I love mm-hmm. God. I, I have my own relationship, but I, I can't stand religion. Like I yeah. think that religion um, has really, um, has really messed a lot of things up, I think. Uh, and I'll just play it. That's a really kind of simple and almost dumb way to put it. I don't really know how else to say it other than I can only share God through my own experience. Mm-hmm. Whatever my experience is, that's how I can share God. Because I, I've questioned a lot of stuff, in the, in, especially in the last, um, you know, last few years since I, since I got sober. And I'm kind of on that hunt too sometimes. I find myself questioning. And then at the end of the day, I go, you know what? Does it, to me, does it really matter? I don't need to know everything. I'm just going to kind of roll with it, you know? And at the same time, I want to know everything. So it makes it really, really difficult. <laughs> It, yeah. I, listen, I grew up, uh, you know, Irish Catholic, which yeah. for me meant, yeah. I mean, I was a sheep. Stand, sit, yeah. stand, sit. No one ever explained anything to me. Same you here. just got to have faith. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm raising kids now where I'm not going to tell them, hey, you know, use your mind, be logical. Uh, there's a place at the center of the earth where you may burn forever. You know, I, t- I told my daughter that uh, she was like, somebody held up a sign at a parade said, you're all going to burn in hell. She's oh, like, man. what's hell? And I told her what it was. And she started laughing at me. <laughs> like, and she goes, the center of the earth is magnetic. And I'm like, okay. But because she wasn't raised with that kind of fear imposed yeah. on her. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like anytime your religion's trying to scare the shit out of you, you yeah. might have the wrong religion. Yeah. And the thing like Jesus, right? I got a sister who's born again, you know, big time. And uh, what, listen, if you go to Buddha, you go to the ancient book, uh, the, the Old Testament with Moses and uh, uh, what was his son's name? Jonah, uh, the one who changed his name to Israel. Uh, anyway, him, Zeus, um, and Jesus. They're, if you boil everything away, their main teachings were be kind to strangers be a good host, love thy neighbor. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's no questions about that. Everything else is part of the packaging. Well, I see, and I think, I think that's where man comes in and corrupts a lot of stuff. You know, man has corrupted so much. I feel like, um, I heard, I can't remember how somebody put it recently. Um, but I heard if you took a park and, and, and we just, there was nothing in the park but the trees, the nature, the birds, the bees, whatever. That park is pristine. And it's, it's, it's completely not – there's no evil in that park. It's, it's yeah. genuine. It's free. It's, you know, it's real. And then you put man in there, 
man makes that place evil in some sense. You know what I mean? And so I know yeah. I'm, not, I'm not describing that analogy correctly, but I, it was something similar to that. And it makes sense to me. Like we put a lot of crap along with the simplicity that you just described of love your neighbor, um, love in general, really. It's, it's not easy to do and it doesn't sell a lot of tickets. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's why AA connects so bad with people who, if you let it, if you're struggling with that, the reason AA feels so good, it's all those lessons. Yeah. Newcomer walks in, what do you do? Judge them, sneer them, give them looks? No. You put your, shoot your hand out to them. Yeah. That is, that is the true form of Xenia, which is what the Old Testament and the Greeks were talking about. Like, hey, man, there's a stranger. Be nice to him. Yeah. Hey, you don't have any money. You can't put anything in the bucket. You're welcome here. Yeah. That's it. Uh, that, you know, like that stuff that ha- it happens in recovery, the reason it feels so weird and so like good if you allow it it's because it's what like community is supposed to be there's yeah. no like hey everybody here wears a suit and you know everybody over there likes the you know they're all from this part of europe and all the people at this church are like in a recovery meeting it's like you got a problem you need some help we're here for you free of charge yeah. Yeah. that feels good man yeah and the, one of the best things that happened uh with aa is that it didn't, you know, in the, in the early days, is that it didn't take outside sponsorship and all that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. it would have been Alcoholics Anonymous sponsored by Anheuser-Busch in the Hilton. <laughs> and, you know, you just pay, a, you know, a one-time only, you know, joining fee and yep. you get a newsletter and you elect politicians to be in charge. It would have been a disaster. Oh, and that's what, you, that's what happens in religions. And all you have to do, well, I, I don't, yeah, I told you it's my favorite hobby, but if you want to look, <laughs> yeah, if you want to look over like, you know, yeah. how many revisions were done to w- pick a religion yeah. and how many times it was rewritten in accordance with what was going on in those times. People, yeah. you know, forget. Well, that's, see, and that, that's, so it's funny. It's funny that this came up, man. I, I, this is why I love doing this shit too, because I, this organic shit, we didn't plan on talking about any no. of that. Um, but I, you know, I went into digging into um, way, way back into like the days of the Phoenicians and the court. Yeah ball like ballism and how and you just mentioned this those stories you know to from from what i've researched or whatever they were written and and a lot of them have been repurposed over the year my, my buddy sean b put it good one day he goes you know what he goes all the all the religions at the end of the day kind of what you said earlier about the basis of love they're really the same they just have different characters with different costumes and i go yeah that's a fucking good way to put it right there in a sense you know yeah, you're talking the Phoenicians and the Assyrians and yeah. the Babylonians. They had either it was uh, metal. Yeah, they, they would have uh, Marduk was one of the gods and Balel. And they were both thunder. Like they rode on thunder. They rode on uh, clouds. And in the Old Testament, what they did was they would say, God rode in on a cloud and his name was Yahweh. And it was just taken exactly. They just changed the yep. name. because And it, it makes sense. It was familiar to the people around. I mean, we see it today, like, you know, and when you watch movies, there's only so many stories. They can be twisted and turned. But when you look at them and you go, what's this story really about? Is it about me doing this or like having hand yeah. signals? What's the story trying to tell me? Yeah. 99% of the time, this story is trying to tell you to be a good, like, appeal to your asshole. better graces. Yeah. Yeah. Stop being an asshole. Like, you know, yeah. Your first thought isn't your best sometimes, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's good, man. Good we're, stuff, the, man. we're the only animal on the planet that fucks, kills and eats too much. Mm. That, I mean, that's, that's our problem. Yeah. 
you know, if that's free will, that's what free will will get you. You know, like <laughs> I'm going to eat all day. I'm going to screw as many people as I can. I'm going to kill yeah. anybody who gets in my way. There's yeah. No animal that does that. Yeah. That's straight yeah. evil. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just, we just, that's why we need religions. Like no. trying to keep that a little bit at bay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. A little and bit, a little got bit. got alcohol to it and we're even more destructive. Yeah. You know? Then it's really bad. Then it's a whole new monster. Yeah, your fucking things you killed. We're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get into that maybe another time a little bit deeper because I'd like to chat with you more about that. It's it really is interesting and um you know it's uh I don't that's the thing it's like I I know what I've been told for so long okay mm-hmm. I understand that um, I understand what I've read and what I've researched and and trust me there's way more that I can do and and, and probably need to do. Um, but at the end of the day, I just don't really know. <laughs> I just know what my reality is right now. I know that I'm sober. I know that I had some sort of spiritual experience, um, whether whatever name we want to put on it. Uh, and I know it saved my life. You know what I mean? Straight up. And, and I think when I keep it simple like that, I can explore. Um, I have free will to do that. And I think that's okay uh, to, to do that. Um, but at the end of the day, man, simplicity for me is, is, is the way to try to go about it, you know? Yeah, I, you said the best thing, the, the absolute best thing. I don't know. Yeah. You appreciate it. You, you're, you're in all of it. It's not simple, and you don't know. Yeah. Anytime yeah. people tell me, I know, then I go, whoa, easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> whoa. Yeah. You, yeah. you know the way, and everyone else is wrong. Yeah. Okay. Then, you, then I, that's when I go, have fun. But yeah, <laughs> if somebody says, I'm searching, I'm looking, and I don't know, dynamite sure yeah and then you can weigh pros and cons you can weigh different um opinions or facts or whatever you know that's that compiled kind of evidence or whatever the hell it is who knows i hope you never know i hope i don't ever know either and i'm sure i won't my sponsor always says the older i get the less i know and i go i love that i'm taking that one and yeah on onwards um, all right, man. Well, let's, let's do this, man. Any advice for a newcomer out there, man? And then let's wrap this thing up. I want to want you to plug your um, uh, uh, contact info, any new projects and stuff too. But what advice for someone who's new is trying to get sober or stay sober? Um, give yourself a break. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, it's, it, it's, it's doable. It's not, the, I guarantee it's not going to be the end of the world if you don't have drugs and alcohol in your life. Mm. I guarantee it. Um, do an experiment. If you're curious about the world, see what happens when you walk through this scary thing. And I'll tell you, the best thing I heard is fear is five miles high, 10 miles wide and paper thin. Hmm. If you, if you just walk through that fear of, of put your hand out to someone else who knows how to stay sober and you say, I'm going to give this a shot. Just, just take that first step down the path. It'll, it'll be okay. You can go back to whatever you're doing just, just give it a try. Give yourself a break. Take your hands off your own throat. And uh, trust that maybe in this situation, people who've done something and are continuing to do it may have some good advice on how you can do it too. Mm, you know what I mean? Just, good, you know, and I guarantee you, it's not going to be something where they make you sign a contract, make you uh, believe in something you don't believe in your heart. Just, just listen. You know, just for maybe for once, try and quiet the, the, the judges in your head and listen to somebody. And if you don't like what they hear, go to the next person. You know yeah, I mean? That's good. Yeah. That's good, man. Yeah. yeah dude, where, where, can, uh, where can folks find you at? 
Well, my uh, special's on Amazon Prime. It's called A Stumble in the Woods. And yeah, I really focused on, uh, you know, how I got from point A to point rehab. Mm. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm performing, yeah, May 18th at the Sycamore, uh, June 7th at the uh, Comedy Store. And nice. I'm supposed to be at the Improv next month, too. Um, what day? I'm not sure the date yet. Uh, I don't think they announced well, it. Holler at me when you find out, man. Maybe it's around the same time. I'm probably going to come down a day, at least a day before. So maybe we can link up and hit a meeting or something or who knows. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. live, uh, I live four blocks from the improv. Oh, awesome, so, dude. Just yeah, so right yeah, we could definitely get together. And I'm, I, you can look on my Facebook at Matt Gallagher Comedy. So okay. I, I, I'm, I'm terrible at uh, social media, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Stuff, man. Hey, dude, I really enjoyed the chat today, man. Thank you, bro, for taking the time out. Yeah, man. Thank you. I like talking to you. You're a good yeah. guy. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, man. You too, brother. All right. And check us out at thatsoberguy.com. You can connect with us on Instagram, at Real That Sober Guy, and uh, at Shane Raymer on Twitter. Uh, peace, love, respect. And uh,